I've been told uh, the clicker that we normally have does not work, and so my signal is I need to do a double tap. I don't know what double tap, double tap, and my man is bam, bam, like that, double tap, but, or like double tap, I'm not really sure. I'll just do the various different things like that. Okay, so if you see me doing that, you will notice that I want them to change the slide. Okay, so uh, we have been in a sermon series on choosing joy. And I had a problem this week, I had a very serious conundrum because if this sermon series is about choosing joy, I had a week that was so bad. Uh, I was sick for three days, and I don't know what, it wasn't a, it, it's the worst kind of sickness, the one you don't know what it is, okay? It wasn't a cold, I wasn't coughing or sneezing, I didn't have a fever, so I was, didn't have the flu, I just ate, okay? For three days, I just ate. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going like, I'm not really sure that I should even be preaching this Sunday because right now I'm sitting here and I'm not, I'm not feeling the joy, okay? I'm not feeling it at all. And on top of that, I realize that this sermon series is about choosing joy, and here I am. I couldn't choose joy at all. It wasn't even one of the options that I had this week, okay? And it was really, really difficult. But... Um, I'm just so very thankful. Uh, the Lord is always, his timing is impeccable because while I'm actually feeling miserable and feeling kind of down on myself and just not really in a good frame of mind for it to be able to come here this morning, I, I received an a email uh, from the uh, Johnny Erickson Tata Society, okay? And so let me... And the, the letter was a, a great letter. Like, if you don't know who Johnny Erickson is, uh, she's a woman who, uh, when she was a teenager, went swimming. And uh, when she dived into the pond, uh, she hit her head on a rock and actually uh, broke her neck at, between the fourth and the fifth uh, cervi cerv cervix or cervical. Uh, and that, at that point in time, she actually uh, has been uh, a quadriplegic, okay? Uh, since, her, her, since she's been a teenager. Now, uh, the news, the email that I got uh, about her life uh, is that she is now 70 years old, okay? She actually broke her spine when she was 18, and now she's 70. It is unheard of, unreal that anybody with her type of injury, with uh, what she had suffered, would live so long. But what is most incredible about this is that she didn't just live a long life. She didn't just linger okay, this whole time. She lived an incredible life. And the reason why I even receive this email, it's not junk mail, I actually <laughs> have it sent to me because there has been times in my life where I have been really down. And the one person that I have been looked up to my whole life to, when I need to just get a perk or, or poke uh, has been Johnny Erickson. And, and this news in this email is that now she is 70 years old. Uh, this life that she had has been so full. She, she even in spite of her being quadriplegic, she married, have family, uh, gives incredible testimony to the power of God working in her life. I, I just want to share with you a quote that just has encouraged me in the past 
She writes this, uh, many people in the throes of suffering, disappointment, despair, feel utterly stuck in their circumstances. They see no hope beyond their day-to-day -day drudgery of disability routines. But when hurting families place themselves under the shower of God's mercy, suddenly the clouds part. They realize there's hope, life, and even joy beyond their suffering. Wow, I really needed to hear those words this past week because I really was just not in a, in a very good way because of what I was going through, just laid out, not really knowing that if I was going to even be well enough to be able to stand before you here this morning. But more than my physical health, I needed to hear these words again, to hear this quote from, from Johnny, because in my heart, in my mind, it also needed to be changed, to rem be reminded of God's mercy and God's love in my life. And I don't know about you today, perhaps you had an equally bad week as I did. Maybe not because you were sick, but you're hurting in different ways or struggling in different aspects, whether uh, academically or in the workplace or relationally, in your family or with your coworkers, just struggling to get by. Uh, it took every ounce of effort for you to be able to even drag yourself here to worship today. And I, this sermon, is really for you, because this passage that we're going to be looking at today, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 1, is what I read that lifted me up in my hardest, most difficult times. In fact, uh, today's sermon is basically a testimony of what, how God actually worked in me, changed me, transformed me, pushed me forward. Uh, to be able to, to, to carry on. You know my situation. For those of you here, you heard me share this before. I do not mind, just as Paul says, I do not mind telling you this over and over again because you need to know the power of God to work in your life in spite of all the difficulties that there is. Uh, just a few years ago, I was in bed. Uh, I was in the hospital because I had to have surgery at, those, at that part of the neck, just as what uh, Johnny Erickson had her injury. And at that point in time, I was so depressed. Um, even the surgery was successful. Uh, the drugs that they gave me just put my head in a tizzy and into a very, very dark place. Um, I wanted to die. I figured out how to die. I counted the cost to know that if I died, my family would be provided for, and I had it all figured out because that was the road I wanted to go down. But the words that I had to read from Scripture, the words the Apostle Paul shares with the Philippians, these very words that we're going to be looking at today, lifted me up and encouraged me in such a way that maybe about, it took about a year, a year and a half that 
I was able to do this, which is on the next, next slide. I don't know if you, if, uh, you can make it move. Uh, this, is some, this is me running the Houston Marathon a couple years ago. I'm there somewhere. OK, that's me. Uh, that's about, I can't remember where it was. Is it mile 15 or mile 18 or something like that? Yeah, OK, that part is OK. The part that followed was not so OK. And I tell you, uh, it took a while. It took that year, year and a half to go from a place where I was in a hospital bed and to be able to run a marathon. And throughout this whole process, it is the word of God, these words that we are going to be looking at today that, that just revived me. Uh, to really bring me in a situation where I can even attempt to, to run this marathon. Oh, by the way, um, <laughs> I, I hate to, to, to say it, um, I, I really always feel bad when I have to run marathons. Why are they always on Sundays? I just never understood that very much. And so here, I'm playing hooky, uh, going, to, going, to, uh, going to the Houston Marathon. My wife is there. Uh, actually, a couple other people were there. I think uh, Ophelia Mock was there, and I think Sandy... Sandy Way was out there. In fact, I mentioned Sandy's name is because Sandy is actually going to be sharing a, her testimony a little bit in, in, after my sermon. So just wanted to, to let you guys know about that. But the thing about this and the parallel I want to share with you about that journey, that process, the passage that we're looking at today is, is very much a marathon passage about the things that God needs to work in your hearts and your lives so that you can run this race of life, to be able to run it with joy in, in our lives and not to struggle. There's so many things that need to happen. During that year and a half that actually from the hospital bed uh, to the finish line required a couple of changes. Uh, there was a mindset change that needed to be happening for me. I needed to get over this darkness that was in my head. Uh, the other part, obviously, is the physical aspect, to be able to prepare, to train. And in this way, this kind of marks for us a couple of things that Paul is going to be talking with us today in our sermon. We have been going through this letter, this letter of joy. And as we have been uh, going through today, it's kind of like a little summary, a little bit of, of a kind of a break uh, for us to be able to consolidate everything that we've learned and talked about, uh, the, the struggles that Paul had behind bars, uh, the struggle that he had with the, the Philippian church to be able to bring them all together, that in this he was able to, to share with us how to come to a place of joy. And today, we want to talk about how God does that, how God does that in our lives. Let's go ahead and take a look at the passage. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Let's just look at this verse first. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I am pressed on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So Paul is saying here, and he's telling his detractors, he's telling everybody, hey, I'm speaking to you not because I'm perfect. Paul's not being humble. He's being very truthful. And what he means here by not being perfect is that he realizes that he's not the final product. 
And what you need to think about this is that you need to think about Paul as being in a race. And he sees himself running this race, and he realizes this race of his life, of his spiritual life, this, this journey of, that he's going with in Jesus Christ is not finished. But yet at the very same time, what warms his soul, what keeps him focused as far as his mind is concerned, he knows that because of Christ, because of what Jesus has done and dying on the cross, because of the salvation that is before him, he knows that Jesus has called Paul his own. And how warming it is and how refreshing it is for me to be able to know that I am not done with this race. No matter how much I want it to end, this is not what Jesus wants. Until he calls my number, he wants me to run this race. Because I am his own. I am chosen for salvation just as you all are. This is a fellowship that Jesus wants with us, and that's why God saved us. And Paul realizes for us, as much as Christ has done to provide for us, there's something that he wants the Philippians to know and also for us, that we have a responsibility to pursue Christ, to run this race, to pursue growing in him, to become more intimate with Jesus, to have his holiness, to bear fruit. Spiritual growth does not come automatically by faith. We have to pursue it diligently by following the Lord. We have to press on. We have to press on. This, this word, these words, you should picture what Paul is thinking here is of the man or the woman who is running in a race and to reach the goal, and even though his, his or her legs are tired, even though they want to give up, even though they can't go any further, they press on because of Jesus Christ. And what we need to takeaway for today is just very simple, very simple. Joy comes as we press on with the right perspective, a right mindset, and also right practice. We need to follow through uh, in Jesus Christ. So let's continue in our passage. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 now. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the, towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also for you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Here, Paul is already sharing with us a proper mindset book I read a couple of years ago. Next slide. It's by Angela Duckworth. The, the, the title of this book, very simply, is Grit. And Angela Duckworth put, uh, puts it in this way. They were trying to explain, and she was trying to study, who are, who are the people who really make it? Who are the people who actually succeed? Who are the people who actually carry on? Well, guess what? Isn't the people who have the highest IQ 
Okay? It isn't the people who maybe even have a, a good EQ, they're socially connected in any way. The people who made it, the people who carried through, had this thing, this quality she called grit. Okay? And part of this grit is having that right, right mindset, a growth mindset. And she writes this, what, this, she goes, a growth mindset leads to optimistic ways of explaining adversity. That means you're able to look positively, that when you even you have something negative going on in your life, you know that there's something positive behind it. Or you failed, or you had some, some uh, mishap, that you learn from that failure to be able to continue on. That is grit. That is having a growth mindset. And with this growth mindset, that that in turn leads to perseverance and seeking out new challenges. How often what we do, we think we succeed because of our intelligence that we have. And we work hard in, in being able to, 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 to fill our brains with all this knowledge. And at times, we may actually be a type of people who are the social networkers and the ones who try to get connected with other people because we know our way up to success is because we ride on the coattails of somebody, someone else. And in those things, it just comes down to it. When you do the studies and with what Angela Duckworth talks about is ultimately, success really comes when you are able to have that grit have that growth mindset. And this is what Paul talks about in this passage, is actually having that growth mindset. How much for me, when I was in that hospital bed, and, and the, the months that followed afterwards was just feeling like I had was a failure, feeling broken, and feeling like everything that I accomplished, that's it. This is the end of the line for me. Didn't help that I would turn 50, okay? It, I'm sure it had a lot to do with that too. You reach a certain stage of your life and you feel like, I am not where I really wanted to be. I'm not where uh, uh, these hopes and dreams, all these things that I developed when I was in, in my 20s, when I got married and the, and the things that I would dream with, with Carolyn, those things are undone. And all this I was looking at and just thinking about my life was just a failure. And I wanted to quit. But Paul challenges us in the passage today that part of what you and I need to do is to press on. We have to press on and, and, and with God because Christ calls us his own that we belong in Christ and everything that's his is ours and he wants to give that to us. That part of that comes with the right perspective. And uh, next, he says in this passage, he says not, he didn't make it his own, but he went, made it Christ's own. And for this, we have to live to finish life. We are not done yet. Okay? We are not done yet. And how much I needed to hear that, that God was not finished with me. There's so much more that he had in store. Another thing we learn from this passage is this. We need to live life forward, not backward. Live forward, life forward, not backward. He says, 
forgetting what lies behind. And how often you and I, we get caught up with our memories, we get caught up with our past, memories of loss. Uh, we hold on to things, that the hurt, the pain, those struggles that we have, they, be, they loom huge in our lives. And every time we look at them, it seems like there's just this big L on your forehead. Bible tells us about times people have looked backwards and how, how it is not the way that we need to look. Lot's wife turned back to look on Sodom and Gomorrah. The Israelites turned back and looked back on, on how wonderful Egypt was, and they cannot believe that they followed this man into the desert. Yeah, we're free now. Free to what? We gave up melons, we gave up fruit, we gave up real food for manna. The Bible warns us against looking back because ultimately for you and I, we live life going forward. We forget about what lies behind. We are good runners running after Christ. And in so we look forward, look ahead with hope for what's going on. We don't, there isn't a golden age that is behind us. The best is yet to come. For the Philippians, Paul wants them to forget those wrongs that they've received, the, the persecution that they can go through, because the memory of those things could only paralyze them with guilt and despair. And I think this is also important too. I think Paul is also talking about not just forgetting about the negative things, but also forgetting about even, even how much we've achieved, how much have we achieved as Christians, because it's so very easy for us that the recollections of our past glories, the missions trips that we were on, how many people were able to lead to, to Christ, all these things that we live upon everything in the past, we may not, we may lose sight of what is ahead. And so Paul says the recollection, basically saying the recollection of those things may, may sometimes put our lives into neutral where we stop and just to say to God, hey, I've done it, I did it, I've arrived. We have come. We've come very far, each and every one of us, in our spiritual walk. But there's so much more ahead. The best is yet to come. We need to press on. And there's a surprise. There's an incredible prize ahead, this, this idea of this upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what you need to picture here is at the end of every race, and, in the, and back in ancient Greek, as they would race in the Olympics, that at the very end, uh, as they crossed the finish line, the winner himself would go up, go up into the stands where the dignitary, where the most important person who is in that stadium, who is there, uh, and he would go up those stairs 
and be able to come before that person and bow the knee. And that person would put the, 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 the victor's crown of laurel wreaths upon his or her head. Well, actually, back then, it was only his head. Uh, for, for, for the victory uh, of winning that race. And this is the picture here. The upward call. Come. Come well. Come, good and faithful servant. Come in the presence of your Lord Jesus Christ and receive that crown of glory. This is the right perspective that we have. We live to finish. We live forward, not backward. We live for this prize. And ultimately what Paul puts here is this, the last thing here. This perspective is actually just a sign of maturity. Those of us who are mature think this way. And so if you are struggling in your, your walk with the Lord, let's start out with your mindset. Do you have a growth mindset? Are you pressing on? Are you, do you have the right godly perspective? You go all the way to the finish. You live the life forward, not backwards. You live for the prize of being called before the Lord God. This is a sign of maturity in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Having the right mindset is only part of it. Paul tells us a little bit about the practice that you and I need to have, the practice that is critical for us to continue on. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keeping your eye on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Next. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. When having the right mindset is critical for you and I as we grow in Christ. And for me, uh, I'm very thankful uh, for the counseling I received, the men and the women who were praying for me and walking with me so that I would be able to, 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 be able to overcome that darkness and to kind of press on uh, it, with, a, with a right mindset, a right perspective. But the other thing is that we actually need to have the right practice before, before God. And one of the things here is Paul says this, imitate your spiritual leaders. Join in imitating me, he tells the Philippians. Now, this is one of those things where he says, well, that's really cocky of you, Paul. Yeah, in the end, everything is about copying you, right? You just want people just to follow you. But no, Paul's not asking for them to do this. But the fact of the matter is that 
uh, why do you and I need to reinvent the wheel spiritually? If we've seen somebody grow in Christ, why don't we follow after him or her? Why don't we ask them, what do you do in your devotions? I'm really getting stuck. I'm, my mind is just wandering all the place when I'm reading scripture. How do you pray? How do you pray for how long? An hour? I can barely pray for three minutes. Teach me. Guide me in how I need to do that. I have friends who don't know Jesus Christ. What do I need to do to be able to share the love of Jesus with them? Why do we need to reinvent the wheel? Why do we need to have to start from scratch? We are the family of God. We are together. There are those who are well on the journey ahead of us. Just as Paul was for the Philippians, so do we have those who lead and to guide us in our faith. And we need to turn to those people. I read. I turned to people who are struggling with the darkness in their hearts and it was so refreshing to hear, hear them say, you know something, you're not alone. I've been through that. I've been hurt. I've struggled. And I want to help you. And they have been, like what Henry Nouwen says, the wounded healers to me. Because of what they have gone through, they're able to bring me into healing because of their experience, because of what they've dealt with. Imitate your spiritual leaders. And at the very same time, and this is kind of a side he talks about here, is that as much as we need to imitate those who are our spiritual leaders, those who we look up to, those who we need to turn to, indeed, you and I should probably be in discipleship with these individuals so that we can we have somebody right there, right before us to lead and guide us. But Paul is also very clear here to let you know the flip side of it is be aware of those people who are your spiritual enemies. Those who focus on their appetite, okay? He puts, puts it this way, the God is their belly. God is their belly. He talks about them with those who have no shame. And basically their minds their mindset isn't a growth mindset to grow to, towards God, but their mindset is on earthly things. Okay. Desiring anything and everything besides Jesus Christ. So I stand before you as a person who has if you have ever struggled with reading scripture and understanding what it's for, I, I, I just want to share with you today, read and be changed and be transformed because this passage has made all the difference in the world for me. And so, uh, just to finish up this, this sermon, uh, in reading the Bible, always ask these questions. Does God want a new attitude from me? Or what behavior do I need to take on from God? Okay. What is my perspective that needs to be changed? What is the practice of my Christian life that I need to be doing differently? And lastly, 
you need to have spiritual heroes in your lives. It, it uh, is beyond my belief about, as much as I, I grew up with comics, okay, I have a great comic book collection at home, okay? When we, my wife and I, one of the biggest things I, 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 I had to do in my life to prove that I could go on to the mission field, I had to sell half of my comic book collections, okay? I had to sell and get rid of all those things. And, and it, was, it was so hard and difficult, but I grew up on, on these uh, comic book heroes. And I, it, it, but then even for me, I cannot fathom why we live in a generation today where every single movie seems to be about some superhero, Is it because we're really looking for heroes in our lives? We're really looking for the, the bottom line, spiritual heroes that you and I need to have to walk, to run the race with Jesus Christ, to press on. Look for those in your lives. Look for those that you may imitate them. Oh, there's so much more I wanted to share with you today, but I'm going to cut this short and uh, finish up here. Let me pray for you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are a people who have been broken, hurt. We are people here who have come here even tired, forsaken. But we come before you and desire your power, your strength, to change our minds, to give us a new perspective in Christ, to change our practice, to change how we live our lives so that we may follow after you step by step every, the whole way, every step of the way. We present ourselves to you, Lord God. Call us to press on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.